Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Tell me why oil went negative, and what does that mean? Well, the the problem with oil isn't in the oil. Well, there's two problems with the oil situation, right? Oil, uh, I don't know if you guys knew this, the the world, the, the globe is massive, right? Really big place. And all of the oil is like inside of it, which inside the ground. Right? And okay. then, so what happens is they, then they take the oil out and they got to put it somewhere, right? They got to, they got to put okay. it in, in, in tanks and they got to put it in ships. And if they don't do that, really terrible things happen to like, you got two options. You leave the oil in the ground or Good once idea. you take, or you take Yay. the oil out of the ground and then you put it in things like, again, storage containers or your gas tank or tankers or airplanes. So all the things that we are not currently using anymore, such as factories and yes. uh, airplanes and automobiles yes. and all that other stuff, that's where all that oil goes. So we only have a certain amount of, let's call it storage capability for this oil. And then, so they're like, oh crap. And, and, and if you, for people who are fracking, especially fracking, this is a, one of the issues, is if they stop taking the oil out of the ground during the fracking period or whatever the hell you want to call it, it has a tendency to potentially damage the wells irreparably, so then they won't be able to get oil out even in the future. So they don't necessarily want to stop and cap those wells and stop the process that's begun. But like, you, there's only so many peanut butter jars you can keep your oil in. Is is kind of how it works. At, you at some don't point, keep oil in peanut butter jars. That's very. Oh, you do if you're in Texas and you keep getting oil taken out of the ground. You for sure <laughs> do that now. Yeah, and this article that I found uh, online on CNBC, mm -hmm. it was impressive. They had a photograph that I, I never prodded over, but I have it on my laptop. A photograph of oil tankers as far as the eye can see, lined up off the coast uh -huh. of Long Beach. And you can look at most of them are full because you can see where the water line is on the boat. And where the water line is really high means the boat's yeah. really full. And so all of these boats are stuck waiting mm -hmm. to unload. And it said in the article that typically they charge about $25,000 a day to transport mm -hmm. oil. Uh, I think... That's just the standing still price for the boat. But they're charging upwards of $250,000 because they can't continue to make money. They can't dump the oil or whatever, offload the oil, and then turn around and go back and get a bunch more. They can't do what they need to do to pay their bills and their mortgages and such. No. And it's a big problem. And there's 40 billion barrels of oil on its way from Saudi Arabia currently that had been ordered a long time ago. So it's this whole process, right? And, and the refiners, they can... 
you know, you, it either has to be stored or refined. And if you re, once it's refined, then it turns into gas. And you can't necessarily store that indefinitely. So it's super problematic. And, and like I said, people are like, well, uh, I have all this oil. I need to put it somewhere. Like most people do this. They either make oil or they store oil or they turn oil into things not really all of those things so if you're making oil like from the ground you don't have any place to put it like you build a pipeline and you try to get it the hell out of here and especially in the states because of fracking we are a big time oil producer now and it's uh you yeah know, why don't we do this why don't we take the tankers go back to the ports that they came from uh, where the pipe is that fills up the the oil tanker, mm-hmm. turn the motors yeah. backwards, Brilliant. suck the oil off their back and push it back into the earth where it should stay so we don't burn it uh-huh. and we don't get global warming and that will give the people something to do. How's that? Okay. Next. That's a, that's Next a really, problem. that's a fine idea. I believe that there's a lot of pressure underground. Okay. Like that's how the oil comes up. So like putting things back into a, like a high pressure environment probably pretty complicated. Now we do have strategic petroleum reserves in this country that are apparently very, very full at the moment. But I'll tell you this, if you know, at one point, like wasn't oil like minus 30, like they were paying you $37 a barrel to take oil. So may oil, that seems like a pretty good deal. If you were not an environmentalist to like, I'll take a million I'll take $37 million and a million barrels of oil. Can you guys throw them in the backyard or something? I don't know what you do with a million, but at some point they'll be valuable again. No? Yeah, I mean, in May, the May oil futures did dip, uh, included a graph there, and ended up at like $12 a barrel uh, at the end of last week. And they're saying that June oil will likely dip again to maybe as much as negative $100 a barrel. Which negative one hundred dollars? Correct. In other words, it'll cost you a ton of money to store that oil somewhere. And my Not to worry, store it—that's to sell it. That's what, well, that's what mean, I'm saying. It's like, basically storage costs. It's going to so be the, yeah. If the three of us could figure out how to build one of those big giant places to hold oil, we would be in business. Although we'd be in a business that would make us feel bad. Yeah, we wouldn't want to do that business. But this we does do it for like a month. how long do you think this slowdown is going to hold oil prices down six months at least yeah so it's going to you have to have a lot of peanut butter jars so (laughs) the question is will such a price in the negative area uh, hold the saudis from pumping out more oil and all of those wells that they can shut off i mean if you drive out to bakersfield there is there's again another F ton of wells out there and they're just, they have those things that go up and down and up and down and they're actually sucking the oil out. So those wells, maybe they could stuff it back in there. Maybe that would be a, a If you're a not fracking to, it, I think that's possible to stop right. those wells. But I'll, right. I'll be honest with you, gentlemen, you two are doctors and you know a whole lot about like surviving people and helping them live. And I don't know that. And not one of us is in the oil business. So we really actually have no idea what you do with oil. So, I mean, who knows what you can like. 
I don't know if you, because they're pumping water or other things in there to bring the oil to the top, right? They're doing right. all kinds of things to add pressure because you right. can't just like indefinitely lower the oil table, right? Otherwise, right. it becomes too expensive to get out of there. You have to put more and more pipe and more and more pressure to get it up. So you're, you're pumping all kinds of other things. My guess is like, I don't know, sand. Grand up, sand gr what, what was that? No, it's like ground up, it's ground up kittens, I think. Oh, ground up kittens. Okay, that's <laughs> that's cool. Maybe Maybe that's where... All the like old socks that you lose in the laundry, like the single socks, maybe they go and they shred them and they put them in Didn't the ground. Didn't we already to bring talk about that? Don't with cats, <laughs> big cats especially. I thought that I was know. a media pick a few a month or two ago. Don't, don't mess with the cats. So I again, I don't know, but uh, but it is it's it's kind of is it good or is it bad? Is the question for you? I guys. have a big fear. I have a big fear, and mm -hmm. that is if someone not so scrupulous. Uh, will say, wow, negative 50 or negative $100 a barrel. In other words, you're going to pay me. You've got 50,000 barrels and at negative $100 a barrel, you're going to pay me you know, like $5 million. I'll take all your oil and then dumps it somewhere. You know, like in the mm -hmm. ocean. Well, you can't do that because out. the EPA is going to like bump, hit yeah, you with like at least EPA a $50 fine. Everywhere. It doesn't gonna exist everywhere. I guess that's true, but you're, yeah, I, I, I'm not concerned about that. Let's like, I'm not concerned about that particular situation and you can't build storage facilities that quickly for sure. Right. Unless like, it's an open pit in some third world country where people don't have energy and they don't have oil and, and what have you. I mean, this is all unrefined. Uh, so this stuff is not that easy to use. It's dirty and it's got, you know, a lot of, it's mixed up. I don't know how much you can even burn it, but my worry is that if somebody's going to be unscrupulous. And Apparently you didn't watch the Iraq war. It burns pretty nicely, bro, <laughs> right out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, there's different kinds of crude oil, but. Did yeah. you did you not see the oil fields on fire? That was all crude oil on fire, Robert. It, it burns. It, like I'm saying, it burns. Or was that gas? It was, no, it was for oil fields. Well, Were you asleep in the in the? No, I took 90s? organic chemistry. There was a lot of there was a lot of different forms of oil, and so it's not a generic product. Is all I'm saying is that there's different types, and okay. definitely the the methane that comes out first will definitely burn. But some of this stuff doesn't. It's not you can't light it up that easily. But anyway, it's like it's like the tar and the tar sands. I've tried to light that up at the beach, you know, when you've got your little uh, lens and it burns a little bit, but you've got to put a lot of energy in to get it. Anyway, I think we've spoken enough about oil. <laughs> I don't care about oil, but it is interesting what will happen. Like, will the tar sands places close down because nobody wants oil? That would be great. Will this be the end of oil as we know it? A number of people have suggested that this is going to collapse that industry. Um, or is it just a pause and then it'll come roaring back in a year or two when the economy comes back or three? We'll see. My fear is that the price is so depressed for so long that people are like, wow, gas is $250. i am going to need a Suburban. I'm going to need a big SUV. I'm going to go get it, be an F-150. And then we're going to get back on the same, you know, those cars are going to last five or 10 or 15 years. Now, the interesting thing is, is if, you know, if we weren't, again, in an oil, at least oil for transportation. Again, I don't know how much this would have changed if we had gone to most, let's say 80% electric vehicles, it wouldn't have been, maybe we have more storage capacity because that storage capacity would have still existed in some ways. I, I don't know. 
but we still would be using petrol for jet fuel is my guess and for other kind of chemicals and diesel fuel and stuff like that although you know again uh, we could really use it an electric semi at this point as well so there were a lot of things but you're you know and, and on the negative side you're going to get a lot of small businesses who are involved in the oil business especially in the southwest going out of business, going bankrupt. That's not good because there's a human cost to this. And we know that. And we've talked ad nauseum about making a, making the smart transition. And now, unfortunately we didn't, and we're in this catastrophic situation and the, and the transition is going to be very bad for a lot of people. Yeah. The last time we had an oil problem, we didn't have enough. And we said we were going to become energy independent. We were going to do solar panels. And that was in the 1970s. And then they opened up the strategic oil reserve. And, and now we have a problem because we have too much oil because of a pandemic. And after this, we're going to get our act together and get renewable energy. Right? But that's what caused this. You know, that's the exact, that link. So there was a daily, the New York Times daily podcast about oil. Oh, I listened to it. I was going to reference it. This was the, this is the exact link to that that's causing this today because of that oil crisis we started making our own oil and that has led to us being actually a bigger oil producer than saudi arabia at times and now we don't have any place to put it all so we have all our own oil we have all these people contracting to buy saudi oil for god knows what reason probably political if i had to guess um so it's super challenging can we please stop talking about oil yeah i feel dirty just feel dirty talking right. about it. Uh, what do you want? To, what do you I want can to talk about. I can talk about my uh, Model Three with version twenty twenty point twelve point six, that stops at stoplights and is terrible and is definitely beta, and don't use it unless you are fully engaged. I could say that. So you have twenty which. Twenty twenty point twelve point six. Okay, so you're like the a point, you're a point five ahead of me, but you also have paid for the FSD, so you know you have features that I don't have available to me. I still don't see cones, I don't see lights. So do you the physicality oh. of the lights and all that? You see them, but it doesn't work very well. Well, it's definitely better. And so what it's doing, it's using the humans to train how this should work. So as you're coming up to a stoplight, whether it's uh, green or red, doesn't matter, it'll tell you, I'm going to stop in 600 feet. I'm going to stop in 300 feet. I'm going to stop in 100 feet. And you're supposed to put your foot on the accelerator or on the uh, autopilot stick to tell it, no, no, don't stop. Or yeah, that's fine if you don't do anything. So the idea is if the light is red, you just do nothing and the car will come to a stop by itself. If the light is green, you say, no, no, you can keep going, car. But it's confusing to the human, at least this human, because if you see that the light is uh, green and you don't want to stop and 600 feet out, I say, no, keep going. Click. It says it asks me again in four, at 400 feet. You sure? Yes, click. And at 100 feet, and it can get really irky-jerky, like stop, start, stop, start. And so I've had to turn it off because it's like, this is so far in beta, I can't take it. Let so, the other humans train the so thing. That sounds do it. horrible. That sounds like a horrible experience. It's Yours good. is 12.6. I just want to confirm that. Yes. 12.6. There's a number of YouTubers out there that have done videos right. and found the same thing. It's just like, when is the best time to tell it I don't want it to stop? Because if you tell it too early, it's just going to keep asking. I don't know. I watched so, Black Tesla, and he did a good uh, overview of it. And it didn't seem like he had so many issues, although he did mention that it was, it was um, fatiguing to be constantly 
having to be engaged, well, you should be if you're driving your freaking car, but having to be engaged at a particular point before the stop street or before the stop light. But I'm curious because right now, uh, my car had 12, let's see, 12.5. So I was one behind you. But now, just before I got on uh, the call, it started updating, and I think it should have the 12.11.11.1. 2020 12.11.1. So maybe it's a little better. I don't know what the difference is going to be. And you have FSD in your car as well on the three, correct? Yeah, I rented I rented FSD. I have a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, that doesn't exist. That's not a thing, but no, we're, we're going to talk, talk about, about it. <laughs> not yet. Don't be confusing, Robert. <laughs> well, you told us last show that you had your Model Y. So, what, Well, what? Last, lo- last week I lied. This week... You're going to lie again. I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't have it. I check every day. You know, it's interesting. Please, I please, tried please. to pimp out a guy... On, uh, from Tesla. It's interesting. They called me a few days ago and they tried to sell me a Model 3. They're like, you know, you, you've had a reservation for a long time and we've been interested in why you haven't bought it. And, you know, I'd like to talk to you about that. And I basically told the guy, it's interesting you're calling me because, uh, and he was really nice. Uh, I just got my Model 3 maybe two months ago. And he was like, really? And it turns out they have like two email addresses for me. But we talked about it, and he said that uh, they're actually still selling quite a few cars right now, even though the factory is shut down. He told me that they actually pumped as many cars out of the factory before the shutdown as possible. Usually they do that, you know, at the end of the quarter. End of the quarter. Right. Mm. And he explained that, you know, typically at the beginning of the quarter, the cars that are going to be distributed out are the ones that are going to Europe and Australia, and then... In the middle of the quarter, they're pumping out cars that are going to go to the East Coast. And at the end of the quarter are the cars that are going to stay on the West Coast. And so they were cranking at the end of the quarter. And all those cars were destined for California and the West Coast. And they continued as uh, April or May 1st, May 1st, April 1st came. And they didn't shut the factory down, you know, April 1st. It was about halfway through the month. So a lot of cars got produced. And he has got a lot of cars that he's ready to sell and deliver like pronto. So what's Does that? Does he have my Y? Well, I asked about the Ys and he wasn't, <laughs> he didn't have the clue. He goes, you know, if you guys watch, you know, some of those people on YouTube or on Twitter, uh, those guys maybe know before we know, because that's how we find <laughs> out. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Some of those guys. Yeah, not us. Sometimes the Tesla doesn't know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing because about a week ago, um, I got a call from Tesla saying, well, I can't wait to get you into your new X. The lease is up and uh, let's get you into your new X. I'm like, dude, the lease is up in a year and a half. You want to do what you did last time and forgive uh, all of those months? And he's like, a year and a half? Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Like, yeah, <laughs> and if they apparently. said yes, Mel, what would you get? I'd get a Y. Well, actually, the wife, I don't know. She wants to see the Y first and then compare. But I i think that uh, she'll get into the Y because of the doors are not... She likes all of the internal space carriage, but it's not too much different between Y and X. It's a little less in the Y, but I think the normal doors in the back might suck her in. And I'd like it to suck her in because it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. And it's also crazy efficient. I got into a late night reading over 
the um, Octa, Octa bottle, Octa pump. What are you drinking? Yes. No, I wasn't <laughs> drinking. But I was drinking the Kool-Aid and reading about this new uh, heat and cooling management system that's in the Y. And it's quite impressive. Uh, they're saying that that design, which is different than the 3 and the S and the X, that that design of the Octa, uh, Octa cooling system is what's going to give the car a 10% efficiency boost. So that's why the range and the and the efficiency in like miles per kilowatt of the Y can match the three. That's pretty impressive. It's super impressive. And he wants to now make that sort of uh, HVAC system thing and put it into houses. Yeah, it's going to be great. Not to mention on the we'll get to space station and all that good stuff. It is actually kind of stunning to have that car that's significantly bigger and taller and heavier and just as efficient as a Model 3. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But you don't have it nearly yet. As, nearly as efficient. I don't have it. 316 miles rated range is what they're talking about. Did you hear Elon talk about uh, the Model S rated range and the little peeing match he's having with the EPA? So the EPA gave the new S with all its fixed magnets and all improvements in the motors 391 miles rated range, which is fantastic. It's amazing. But Elon said they screwed up. They left the door open. They left the keys out of the car. So the car thought, oh, I'm supposed to be waiting for you to come. And it was burning some kilowatts. And they did that overnight. If they hadn't have done that, it would have been over 400 miles. Well, the EPA came out today or yesterday and said, that's not true. So who's lying? Psychotic Elon? That they didn't leave the e doors open? Right. <gasps> My guess is Elon is like knows if they left the doors open all you have to do is look at your app well, hey why'd they leave the damn doors open over there like it like, would be a very specific very stupid lie on both of their parts yeah so somebody's <laughs> wrong and the other one's a liar so i think actually although elon is cycling up and i think he is really uh, quite manic right now and i'm worried about him that he goes through these cycles as you uh, should be. relatively frequently mm -hmm. um i'm a bit worried about him but i don't think that he is incorrect in this case it's too specific and the epa who knows that they're going to test again after the, uh, they get out of the pandemic and all of this you have to kind of take with a grain of salt right because let's let's just say for instance it is 400 miles of rated range that's if you are trip charging which you shouldn't do very often anyways you should charge to about 80 percent so the practical day-to-day -day is still around 320 right for for that car right i mean let's i just want to make sure that we're not sort of oh, yeah. putting out I all kinds of we... weird information out there that people no, yeah, I mean, everybody listens to this. we get it 400 is not 400 that's 400 if you drove at 50 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour right. and most of us are not going to do that in not the even i mean that's but like it's... just using the epa standard plan but they're they're quibbling over two percent of battery um whatever two percent of battery charge in this situation and i agree tom it's just uh it is splitting hairs it's... although it's great for marketing yeah, that's what it's I'm saying. All, like it's 400, all marketing. It's 400 marketing. miles looks much better than 391 on a, on a website. That's for sure. Right. Yeah, it's great. And psychologically, I'm like, yeah, 400 is way more than 391 because I'm not very bright and I can't do the math, but it's actually no different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a rounding difference. Yeah. <laughs> Although, still... you know, if you think about it, Tesla has been sort of like pushing the envelope to... Um, control cost, 
uh, decrease build time. They've been doing some things that I'm not so cool on. So when I first got my three and I went into the frunk, right? I mean, like, how often do you guys use your frunk? Almost never. When, uh, this is when I think stuff. about my frunk is when I'm putting stuff in my trunk and I'm like, wow, this thing is really full. I should probably use the frunk and I shove yes. another thing in the trunk. That's right. basically the extent of my frunk use. Do you, do you, Mel, do you still put your stinky golf shoes in the frunk? I put my stinky golf shoes and my stinky golf cart, three-wheeled uh, golf cart in the frunk. Okay. So you have a specific purpose for it. Me, my frunk is empty right now. I think I think I might have moved the plugs, you know, the charging apparatus Ooh, into the trunk. Yeah. But I don't go in there very much at all. And so when I did, after I bought the car, I was like, wow, where's the the carpet? They didn't put the carpet in the trunk. And then I looked and I saw there were these gaping uh, openings where there used to be these flip down hooks for like bags, like for shopping bags in the frunk, which I mm -hmm. thought was kind of cool. Honestly, would I ever use them? I don't know. Maybe not. But the bottom line is, is like, what the hell's up with this? Why do you take away these hooks? It looks unfinished. And why don't you put a carpet in there? And it turns out they're doing all this to save money. Did they really take the carpet out? Because yeah. I remember when you got the car, I opened it. And I was like, how come you don't have carpet? You were like, yeah. what do you mean? And I'm like, well, there's supposed to be carpet in here. So they really, like, that's an option? Front, Not front even carpeting? an option. Not even an option. Just doesn't I mean, that's exist. Why, that's why Mark at RPM Tesla is all jazzed because he's selling a piece of carpet. I forgot how much. <laughs> 15 <laughs> but how much bucks does or that's, something. But if that's true, how much does that actually save them versus the amount of pushback and pissed offedness by not putting in a bit of shared cap, that probably costs fifty cents. But if most yeah. people don't know it, if it cost, let's let's say overall it cost them two fifty per, and they're about to make twenty million cars. That's that's uh, that's walking around money for Elon. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had this discussion with Mark about those hooks, and I was like, I thought to myself, would I ever really use them? I mean, they might be kind of handy. It might be, you know, but. I just thought it looked unfinished without anything there, just this greasy kind of like head of a bolt. And so uh, he was like, kind of shrugged it off and said, well, I'll be selling some soon on the RPM <laughs> website. So whatever. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Classic, classic. Mm. Uh, okay, what else you got on here? You got, uh, you got your Gigafactory Shanghai phase two. Let's talk about that. Phase two or phase three? The, uh, we don't phase know. Three. It's Gigafactory phase three, three, two A. Phase two. <laughs> there's this this article in Tasmanian talks about phase one point five, phase two, phase three A, phase three B. Right. I don't know. You try to explain the whole damn thing to us, Robert. Hey, before we get there, we've got some people chatting, and Michael Thomas is saying the worst thing that they left out on the three uh, was the NEMA adapter. I didn't know that stopped. You that's don't have true. a NEMA adapter now? Is that true? That is yes. A, that's upsetting. That, that is like my favorite. Uh, that's like the only Tesla accessory I actually use because that's how I, I had a NEMA put in at my work so I could charge basically like 30 miles an hour with the straight cable. So that's not cool. They charge 35 bucks, I think, each for those bad boys. Yeah. Well, that's cheaper than they what they used to charge like 65, 70 a piece or 90 a piece. I remember I had to replace my J1772 adapter. So, yeah. Yeah, but now they have a bunch more because they're not putting them in the cars. <laughs> 
Yeah, Michael says they're going to give you the 110 now, which is yeah, yeah which it's is a bit pissed. upsetting. Because wait, on the website, I just one of mine broke that uh, adapter and the cable and stuff, and it was 550 bucks. It was very upsetting for the cable. 550 for the cable, the little box, and the plug at the end. Uh, 550 bucks to replace that. Yeah, it's 520 um, on the website right now, and that's with, but that's with the NEMA. So if you buy it yeah, on the website, the you get the NEMA. That's a lot of money for that thing. That's more than they charge. I think that's about what they're charging for the wall charger. Yeah, it's a bit upsetting. The wall charger is actually $500. You can buy a silver wall charger for $475. I have one. I'll sell it for 400 bucks if you pay the shipping or pick it up. <laughs> you have my... what that you're trying to sell? I have a wall charger. Oh, I had bought it. I had bought it earlier, and then I moved, and then I didn't need it, and now it's just been sitting there. Yeah, and for all the record, all up. the Gen Two NEMA adapters are thirty-five dollars each on the Tesla website. But well, no, that's still that's better. And you can buy them all in a bundle for two hundred and twenty dollars if it wasn't sold out. So there you have it. The thing Such that makes deal. me the thing that I don't like is that they charge four hundred and fifty dollars for that Chatamo adapter, which. I don't How know. I mean, Chatamo is, is basically the dodo of electronic charging things as we move forward with CCS, I believe. But unless, unless you have a leaf, they're around right now. If you have a leaf and you paid the additional charging and you can find a station that charges Chatamo. Any yeah. other questions on the old chat there, Melvis? Uh, no, that's enough for now. Let's talk about uh, phase 2A of China. Yeah. So the Shanghai Gigafactory. I've been uh, curious what's happening in the field behind the Gigafactory. And lo and behold, there's uh, on this Tasmanian blog, uh, a video that was put together by, um, I can't know, I don't know if I put it here or not, but- uh, Guy with the drone. The guy with the drone in China, thank, thankfully, you see, it's like I should know his name. Uh, thankfully, he's out there all the time taking videos uh, he must buy people beer or something to get the access that he has. But he went in there and he took videos of the field that lies behind the gigafactory. Remember now in China, in Shanghai, they have this ginormous gigafactory where you see like the semi trucks parked like diagonally, like, I don't know, 40 of them. And then to the side of it is this square building, really big, multi-layer multi-story, and that is producing batteries, motors, and drive units. And now they're building a third building that's bigger than the original Gigafactory. And that is supposed to be for producing Model Y. And they're expecting to produce 50% more Model Ys in China than the Model 3. And so this which uh, one person at calls full it, capacity of Model Three or at the current capacity of three thousand a week, which is no, what no, no, doing. full full bore. You know they're mm. expecting to put out was it five thousand a week uh, or was it ten thousand? I don't recall right now for the phase one Shanghai Gigafactory putting out five to ten thousand threes a week. This Model Y building, the third building, which some people are calling phase two or they're calling it phase 3B, uh, it's kind of confusing. But well, because phase two looks like it's back behind, in this one of these photos, right, there's a big white foundation that's already done, and mm -hmm. that is what they're calling phase two, and this front part with all the dirt and just the pylon sticking out of the ground, 
that's what they're calling phase three. And and the the concrete looks like the concrete floor hasn't been poured yet, but all the other supports are are around. So and it's huge, like you said, it's twice as big as it looks like twice as big as both the other buildings combined at the moment. Now, one question is: Are they eventually gearing up from a size standpoint to maybe push out some uh, Tesla semis in China as yeah. well? Because Tesla uses trucks, right? Yeah, and there's lots of trucks being used in China and. Certainly, they have yeah. an emissions problem that would promote the use of semis that are renewable. So, yeah. no doubt about that. Um, I don't know how many how many roadsters they're going to sell in China, or will, if it would be worthwhile to create a roadster corner. But he's already Shanghai. said he's building all of those in Fremont, right? The S, the X, are all, and the roadster are all going to like stay in Fremont, at like sort of bespoke. I mean, my guess is the amount of roadsters they're going to build they could probably build them in hawthorne one at a time with ha fronds right just like put them together <laughs> just like yeah. working but on uh them. i want to make a prediction you've heard it here first uh, that the china factory will be pr pumping out more cars than the american factory by the end of the year how's that for prediction by the end of hey? this year yep is that assuming fremont's open or are you talking about at full fremont production I'm saying that th the Chinese factory is getting built so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be pumping out tons of Model Ys. We're going to be spluttering through this uh, coronavirus thing. Tesla's not going to be up to speed yet. China's going to surpass them. There it is. You heard it here first. It's not right, but you heard it here first. So, so they're, gonna, they're right now making about 3,000 Model 3s. Robert, you said twice as many. So theoretically, they could make 6,000 a week in Ys at, at the current whatever pace of three but what is their i can't remember it's been a while since we talked about the shanghai but what was their hopes for full-on model three five thousand a week in china something like that that's what i recalled that, that, they talked about eventually china getting to ten thousand a week ten thousand vehicles a week so that was three and why three and what uh, okay percent. So if that's the case then it would be like six thousand why sixty five hundred why three thirty five hundred three something in that in that ballpark so it's a 10 but but if it's more than that like if if the full blown like three production can go to five and they're doing twice as many why they could be making 15,000 a week which is that's astronomical or, or if they're if their total it could be as high as 30,000 a week which would also be quite stunning yeah. Yeah. but i think it'll come down to at that point it'll come down to batteries right it'll come down to how many batteries can they make in that building like is that is that one battery drivetrain building enough to keep up with that level of capacity in the rest of the factory? Or is another one of these, you know, is 2B, you know, like supposed to be an additional battery factory? That seems to be everything you hear when you talk, when they talk about batteries, when you hear things about Tesla, like that's always going to be the, the marbles in their funnel is going to be making cells. Right. And they have, they've talked about at the earnings call, which we haven't even got to yet, um, a terra factory and they were talking about batteries a terra factory and so they just sort of Elon threw that out there that the next thing coming at battery day is they're going to be talking about the new chemistry and they're going to be talking about a factory that's going to pump out this new chemistry a terra factory not a giga a terra what's after that penta i don't know what's <laughs> after that i don't know but after that um, elon will be on mars so he won't care what you call it yeah. yeah, or he'll be in an institution. The way he's <laughs> I thought. I thought uh, when they were talking about the next factory, 
uh, on the earnings call, not to, I don't know if we're going to get to it, but since we're here now, is yeah. going to be announced next month. Now, I'm being a little bit um, uh, forward and optimistic, but it sounds like they're talking about announcing next month at the Battery Investor Day that there's going to be a new Gigafactory and it's probably going to be in Texas. That's what I read out of it. Well, that. they didn't say Texas. They said the states. They've also said they were going to drive, you know, autonomously across the country for years now. So, <laughs> I mean, let's all, let's pump the brakes a tiny bit. But it is amazing, right? If you think about the Gigafactory that is in Shanghai, nothing was there two years ago. And now Mel has predicted they're going to be making more cars by the end of this year. So six months from now than a, a very like well-established factory in in Fremont which yeah. is I mean it's pretty amazing that's a like name another company that could put that kind of capacity in in play in two years crickets but I do have a point of contention with you Tom what do the squashes feel you just completely negated them that was a field Full well, of squashes. Right, but there are farmers so here right now there. throwing their squashes away anyway. So clearly we didn't need the squashes. Like we don't have a way to deliver those squashes to market. Nobody's in nobody's in quarantine being like, oh, time for some more squashes, honey. No, people want pizza and ice cream and grilled cheese. They want some comfort food, man. Like <laughs> They want, they want some banana bread. That like banana bread is like the number one thing people are making in coronavirus. And every chef on the planet is doing free streams all over the place on Instagram, teaching us how to cook stuff. So they call it the quarantine ten. I think I'm going to be on a quarantine forty. Which yeah, I just heard someone say she finally has worked out why all those um, Renaissance pictures post plague were just of fat people lying on the couch. <laughs> Now she understands. <laughs> <laughs> it's so oh, true. The plague. Here's a trivia point. Do you know how many years the plague persisted in Europe? Eight. Three hundred years. Two hundred years. Eight. Eight hundred yeah, is what wild. I meant. I didn't finish talking. I think I was yeah. going to say eight. Eight hundred. I mean, really, two hundred years. Two hundred years of sickness, of re, uh, of of wave after wave after wave. But the economic effect and the the effect on, uh, you know, on, um, I don't know, education and, and technology advancements. Yeah, that lasted like 800 years. Sad. The Spanish flu was two and a half years. Yeah. Some people say longer. And you know what came after that? A war. The no, roaring a war 20s. Depression. The roaring 20s. And, and then the rise of Nazism and a depression and then a war. And then, so I just read this thing and it's like, you think you've got a bad, imagine if you were born in 1900. When you're 14, the First World War starts. When you're 18, uh, the war hasn't finished and the pandemic begins. And then you go through a depression. Then there's the rise of Nazism. And then you have to go to war again because you're still young enough. So you have to go to the Second World War. And then after that, there's a Korean War. And then after that, there's a Vietnam War. Cold War. And it's just like... And there's a couple of other pandemics in there. It's like, damn, yeah. glad I wasn't born in 1900. And, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. Our generation basically started in like the late 60s or whatever. So we saw, we've seen in our lifetimes, men walk on the moon, uh, space shuttle program, the creation of the personal computer and the internet, which is making this conversation possible. 
and the hot pocket. And the and I was and the hot pocket. <laughs> it was weird. And we and we ranked them all. And hot pocket was by far oh number God. one. And if it wasn't for the internet, we would still be very successful because we've had the hot pocket. I uh, love. I love can't the hot say pocket. I've had a hot pocket in remembrance. Delicious. That's because your body one. is a temple, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's go through some of the other stuff at the uh, earnings call. Oh, right. The earnings so they, call. So they made some money. They made some money because they were pumping out a lot of stuff, and then they had to close down, but it was towards the end of the quarter, so that didn't hurt them that much. They uh, made some money. A little bit. Tiny bit. A little bit. A yeah. little bit. So uh, all of that was very uninteresting, like I said. So they made a little bit of money, and next quarter is going to be terrible. But what's uh, some of the interesting things that came out of there was full self-driving, as a premium subscription. Yes. What does that mean? Yeah, I've been throwing that around. <laughs> I know, Tom, you have that on your uh, notes as well. Yeah, well, let's, let's kind of just start from the beginning a little bit. We'll get to that part of it. Uh, those are, that's part of the, in the Q&A or whatever. But so this was the first time they achieved positive GAAP, G-A-A-P, net income in a week first quarter. Even with all those challenges, they had 20% gross margins. So they're making 20% margin on every vehicle that they sell. Uh, that's a lot of money. And we'll, and I did a little bit of math later on in terms of the a question that was asked later. So we'll really get into uh, that a little bit more. And so, and then in Q1, they, they produced more Model Ys than Model 3s in Fremont. Than, so in the first quarter of production of the Model Y, they produced more of those than they did in the first two quarters of Model 3 production. So they learned a lot when they ramped up Model 3 production and they put it into play and they were able to make that many more cars in a, in a, in the same, in a shorter amount of time. So that's very, very impressive. It was also profitable in the first quarter, which none of their products has ever been. Again, that's a huge deal. They talked about autopilot. They're connecting, collecting data from 1 million intersections every single month. Right. It seems like that's a lot of intersections based on how many people don't have full self-driving. Imagine if everybody had full self-driving. I'm curious what kind of data they're getting from the cars that don't have the full self-driving, Robert. Yeah, but yeah, I was going to say, just remember that even if you don't have, you haven't paid for full self-driving, you've still got uh, all those cameras around your car and they've got a computer in that car that can record all that. And they can, in the background, stealthily send all that information to the mothership. So they're still collecting all of this information on every single But are they getting that same, date, the same level of data that they're getting, like when Mel's being annoyed to like continue to press that button? Should I go? Should I go? Should I go? Should I go? Are they getting that they're data? Not getting, they're not getting that uh, training data from Mel. I mean, I would think yeah. Mel being you know an educator and a trainer in the first place, he wouldn't... Uh, scoff at being a educator and trainer for tesla but yeah but you know like but the tesla right now is like that student that you just can't stand it's like okay enough <laughs> i can't help you you're unteachable <laughs> oh that's yeah. super funny um and then that's an advantage you know elon mentioned that's an advantage that no one else has and he's right who else is doing anywhere near close to that real world maybe google in like Phoenix, maybe, but no nowhere way. near a million, right? Um, right. And and there was a leaked uh, memo from Audi, was it? Mm -hmm. 
uh, internal memo that said Tesla is so far ahead of us in terms of uh, autonomy because they have so many miles, because it's in every car, and uh, it's going to take us forever to catch up. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that, Mel, because there are times when Elon says things, and then the people who respond, the newscasters and the article writers that are all doubters, that these people say they're doubters, they'll respond with these, like, no way, no way, no way. Then, like, six months, nine months, 18 months later, someone from, like, Mercedes and Audi comes out and says, oh, my God, guess what? And they don't connect the two. What Elon said a year ago is actually the truth. So it's nice to hear that because Elon's been saying that for a long time. They're not basing all of this uh, driver technology on simulation. They're doing a lot of simulation, but they're using real world rubber meets the road um, analysis of what we're seeing as drivers. And, and they uh, said the last autopilot thing, sorry to cut you off because to finish okay. this point, that autopilot safety is now twice as good as it was in the same period last year or six months ago. Now, I don't like to compare that safety against humans, which Elon sometimes does. I don't think that's fair. It's not randomized. When you've got autopilot on, you're on the freeway and it's you know much less difficult driving. But autopilot compared to autopilot looks like it's about twice as good as it was whatever that time frame, six months or a year ago. That is impressive. Continue on, Tom. And, and I'm going to go get a drink. And the standard, well, hold on before you leave, though. But the standard question that I have for you is the new version of Autopilot that you have, is the is the regular part of it still working fine and normal, even though the, like you're having issues with the, the light and the stop signs and stuff like that? Is, is the, and sometimes when they do those updates, it, it's like a teenager again. Is that the case for yours or not? Uh, it's pretty smooth, but the one thing that it doesn't do that I really miss was the move away from the trucks over in the lane. It's oh, really? still it's gone it's gone back to going straight mm. through the lane, whereas it used to move away from the big truck. And I really think that's a downgrade, and I don't know why they did that. Yeah, hopefully that will be back because that is a great feature. But and then the last thing before we get to the questions, and Robert, I'm sure you'll be able to have some sort of comment about this. Well, I was just going to make a comment on what Mel said. Go is ahead. that um, I was noticing that, and I liked the car moving away from the truck when mm -hmm. you get up next to it, but I was in a couple of situations where there were two trucks. They were on the lanes on either side of me. One mm -hmm. was a little further behind the other. And so I come up, the car starts scooting away from the first truck. Before I get away from that first truck, it encounters the second truck. Now I'm really close to the first truck. I'm sorry, to the second truck. Uh... And now I'm between these two trucks and the car is having a hard time centering me to get me away from the second truck, right? So first truck on my right, come up, car moves to the left. Now there's a truck on the left or there's a driver on the left who's not paying attention and texting and mm -hmm. they're driving really close to my lane. The mm -hmm. car didn't seem, at least to my level of safety, didn't center or maneuver Safely, I don't know if you ever had that experience. Your level no. of comfort in yeah. that case, right? Your level. So yeah. that so what happens there is if you take over and then you accelerate and move around and thing, what uh, Tesla is supposed to do is learn from that. Oh, Robert took over. Why did the bag of meat take over? <laughs> and then they analyze it like, oh, this is the situation, and maybe we can fix that in uh, a coming version. So that's good that you almost died. Uh, you're helping <laughs> Tesla get smart. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I think like when those when those environments come up where you are in between two big trucks or in between a truck and another car, it should just 
default back to the center line. But that, my guess is, takes a fair amount of learning. But hopefully it'll get there. And then the last thing before we get to the questions is, they said they're confident that it will be possible to be a dr- to do a drive from your home to your office most of the time with no interventions by the end of the year. How many times this is this is Elon's like 2020. This is Elon's every other car company's 2020. We're going to have an awesome car out, right? That's right. And at least well, they didn't play the Rolling Stones in the background. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a bit anybody, upsetting. are you confident by the end of this year that you're going to be able to, well, your home is your office. So maybe like you're going to be driving from your <laughs> home to anywhere else. I think that they'll get there, actually. I don't know if it'll be particularly safe. I think it might be like a drunken 15-year-old, but you can see the stuff in place. You can see the visualizations that they potentially could get there, but it's the level of safety. I mean, you know, a 13-year-old can drive from my house to the studio a couple of miles away. But it's going to crash a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It is uh, it is definitely one of the, the punctuality problems of Tesla and Elon. But yeah. again, he reiterated that full self-driving by the end of the year. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the regulators are thinking about that, where they feel like they stand and being prepared to let that I don't go believe that I don't believe the regulators are at work anymore uh, I'll be honest with you it feels <laughs> yeah. like they're probably at home All right so let's get to some of the first questions the first question is could you consider offering full self driving as a premium sub- subscription you touched on this a little bit uh will probably be towards the end of the answer was I think it will probably offer full self driving by the end of the year which is everything happens by the end of every year basically in in this business uh in our view, buying buying full self-driving is an investment in the future. So, Mel, how do you feel like your full self-driving investment has paid off for you so far? <laughs> well, I've paid for it uh, a number of times, and they've given me um, nothing. So that is a really good business model that they've got there. Give yeah. me money for something that I don't give yeah. to you. They should probably not refer to full self-driving as an investment when they're talking about it in an earnings call. That seems misdirected in in some ways. Yeah, it seems like the finance uh, specialist was out of the room on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you guys think about the subscription thing? So I'm trying to work out the use case for that. Uh, They said it's going to be really expensive. It'll be cheaper to just buy it up front. But maybe uh, you break both your arms and legs and you're like, well, this month while I'm healing, I need the car to drive me around. But when, I he- when I'm healed, I'll do the driving. Or maybe uh, there'll be times when you're like, this month I'm not going to be driving much. I'm going to put the car onto the robo network and I'll buy full self-driving so I can do that for the month. And it'll but, more than pay for itself. But for those people who don't have – so this is interesting, like potential use case problem with that is – is if they don't say like once you subscribe you have to subscribe for a year or two years and you decide so I I personally decide I want to go for a subscription let's say it's eighty dollars a month I need the new hardware they have to install a new computer in my car then I can just turn it off in a month so they're they're out a bunch of money like how does that how would that aspect of it work in that subscription service or would it would they not bother to upgrade. Well, going forward, they have Hardware 3, so I don't think they'll be doing much retrofitting going forward. Maybe they will when Hardware 4 comes out. 
Um, but I don't know. They've made it very clear that it's going to be expensive. But again, for if you're the kind of person who's just stretching to get your Model 3 and a $7,000 add-on is way too much, but a 50 or 100 bucks a month you could do, then maybe there are some people that are going to opt for that. Yeah, I wonder. The, I wonder what the cost of seven thousand dollars over like a six-year loan is versus the subscription service. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, that's what I put in here because Fred from Electric already started uh, sort of uh, pontificating on this, and so you know, right now it's seven thousand to have full self-driving, and they were talking about increasing that to eight. I wondered how you, Tom, are going to react to that, but we'll talk about that negatively, in a second. very yeah. negatively. And so, like, how would they calculate this? And so, typically, people own cars like 79 months. That's the average on the IHS website, the insurance website. But they're talking about like a 72-month loan, which is pretty long loan on a car, that it would, the $7,000 gets down to about $97 a month, that it would increase your loan. And um, that's that's quite a lot of money. So they're speculating that this is not going to be less than $100 a month to have full self-driving. And that's, you know, when you look at it like that, is it really worth like three over $3 a day for what we currently have in full self-driving? You know, I might think so because I'm driving, you know, 50 miles one way to work. And there's a fair amount of people who own Teslas who are driving that kind of distance for work. But the vast majority of people are not. And the so, first day that Mel gets full self-driving, it will be a $15,000 day. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be a good day, Tom. It'll be a good it day. Be. It will be. That's true. Yeah, the full self-driving thing has been a waste of time. I have done it because I'm a fanboy and I wanted to be part of this thing. And But I, people ask me when they're buying it, should I get it? I'm like... No, you yeah. shouldn't get it yet. Yeah. Wait for that thing, unless you're a geek and this is like something that you're going to play with and it's like your life. But otherwise, it hasn't been worth it up to now and it's still not worth it right now. Same reason here. The reason that I get it is so that I can talk about it here and be sort of in the times with everybody, but not not such a great idea. So, Tom, um, are you still waiting to get yours for, was it? 3000 or 2000 I believe it's 4000 now if I purchase it through the app, which is the only way to purchase it, which means, you know, likely that it just won't happen. Again, I have most of the features that I need. I don't know that I, I mean, sure. Would I like to use it on the streets at some point? Maybe positively, maybe once the car is paid off, I'll feel differently about it and then it won't be quite as burdened. That's not for quite a while. Um, but as of right now, I'm not upset by the fact that I don't have it. Yes, Robert? We have a comment on uh, the YouTube live chat from, again, Mike Thomas. Michael, mm -hmm. sorry. And he said that he thinks that it would have to be at least a six or a 12-month minimum subscription. And right. that makes sense, too, because Tesla doesn't want to be in the business of managing, like a cable company, your monthly bills, the amount of, of headache and, and, and staff that you need for something like that. It'd be just too much. All right, uh, full self-driving, okay, right here then. What else? So China China changed its subsidy uh, for electric vehicles such that Teslas were too expensive and they didn't qualify, which is a big problem for Tesla since that's one of the things that keeps this very expensive car uh, affordable in a country like China where people don't have as much disposable income. So what did 
What did Elon and Tesla do in response? On the earnings call, they announced that they're going to drop the price or the cost of the Model 3 so that it could qualify for the government subsidy. And so I went on, and that was supposed to happen the day after the call, which was two days ago. And so I went on the website and I looked, and in China now, the car costs the equivalent of about $38,500, including the subsidy. So that's your end price for the base model, Model 3, which is pretty low compared to the United States, which is more. And so, uh, you know, I think that's pretty impressive how, um, how quickly Tesla can pivot on something like that. I wonder how many knobbly bits the Chinese are not going to get. They're going to like, no carpets anywhere in the car. Uh, actually, you don't need a driver's seat. That's ridiculous. Just sit on the floor. <laughs> no, you don't need a passenger seat. All you need is a driver's seat. No back seat. Yeah, we're, we're wondering if you even need the windows, quite honestly. <laughs> the windows. Yeah. I mean, really, really, need... it's the battery pack that's the money. So look, here's your car. Boom, battery pack. <laughs> or it's like Lego set. You put it together yourself. <laughs> that'd be that'd be cool. The IKEA. But it's interesting. They never did that here. There wasn't a thing about price or whatever, but they didn't, you know, that that could have been an interesting way for our government to like change the or at keep the subsidy, you know, alive is maybe make it for cars that were under a certain amount of money. And I wonder if Tesla would have made that same thing. And I and I also do wonder if it would, you know, did they say initially they didn't think it was going to be, they're still going to hit those 20% margins on it. They didn't say, they said we will still be a vehicle that delivers a good gross margin at those. Right. And and I also wonder like moving forward, what percentage of the vehicles at that price range they're going to sell versus the luxury versions, right? Is, is there going to be a status issue or something like that as it pertains? Uh, I, th I think in China, they're selling a lot more of the bare bones model Tesla's and looking at a U.S. website, the uh, purchase price is $39,990, so essentially $40,000. And here we have a much more restricted uh, rebate or incentive program, right? Tesla no longer qualifies for the federal. And to qualify for the state rebates, you have to uh, earn less than, I think it's $150,000, and then you only get half of the rebate. So, you know, rebates here... In California, our incentives are much more curtailed uh, compared to in China. And as well in China, you can't even register a new car that you've just bought. You can't just go out and say, oh, today I want to buy whatever, a Chinese car, a Jaguar, whatever, and just buy it and get it registered. No, those are very, very tightly restricted. But electric cars like Tesla, yes, you can just go and get them registered on the spot. And in fact, somebody uh, showed a photograph of what looked like a Costco gas station. I don't know if, if you've never been to Costco, my apologies, but it's a big gas station with maybe four, five, or six lanes of cars all waiting to get up to the gas pump. And that's what the lines getting into this like DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles, look like in China. And on the left half, two or three of the lanes were all Teslas. So it looked like there were very few other cars getting registered in this Chinese DMV, except for Tesla's. And it was pretty impressive. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. 
the next question was basically again about full self-driving, but more how it pertained to the money and the revenue that they recognized it. So the answer was please update on the progress store development and commercialization of full self-driving and how much revenue have you recognized it? They mentioned that they they're selling it for 7,000 and they basically are taking half of that as instant revenue and the other half of it in deferred revenue. And they've been doing that for quite a while, kind of since the beginning. And, and they take a little bit every time they release a new feature, like your new uh, feature of the, the street lights or whatever, Mel, they probably took a couple hundred bucks or something out of the kitty for that. Uh, and you know, whatever your update will have Robert, but the deferred revenue balance is $600 million right now. So that's a lot of money just sitting in the bank. And that is only people who have purchased it, which from everything that they talk about or that you hear about is less people than purchase it. So then there's all this sort of locked up revenue. They talked about a little bit at one point where people like me who haven't put any money down on it, it, you know, are there. 500,000 cars out there, 600,000 cars out there that they could get $7,000 each from at some point if full self-driving comes online and is amazing. That is a potential windfall of billions of dollars for them just kind of hanging in the balance. It wasn't in what they said, but actually in the written earnings call piece, they said that uh, 500 of that 600 million was from me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's about that seems about accurate really it seems yeah, yeah, it, seems, yeah. Seems, it does seem about accurate you you should uh and and a lot of that money is no longer deferred because you've returned several of those cars at this point right so like right yeah well, they've they, got all of it yeah they got all that revenue so that's yeah pretty, i'd that's love to pretty awesome. i'd love to have a coffee with the person who's in charge of deciding oh yes now uh the car will you know it will detect cones oh that's worth Seventy-five million dollars! Yay! <laughs> you know who decides that? That's probably pretty fun, actually. That's probably a pretty good yeah. gig. Yeah. yeah, I would love that job. Yeah, we added bunnies. Bunnies. Oh, that's only two million dollars. Sorry, you only get two million dollars for recognizing bunnies. We apologize. But you know where the tension in Tesla is? Is between the person who books the fifty million dollars for cones versus the guy who developed the fart. And so, like, the dude who developed the fart, or maybe it was a girl, was like, hey, man, my fart's getting so much more airtime than your cones. <laughs> well, right. You know, yeah. Elon's giving bigger bonuses for the fart than he is for the cones. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Elon I, loves I, that, that fart. Is, I wonder why it's they don't hysterical. come up with some sort of a incentive program. We'll put you in the drawing for the Roadster if you come up with the next good fart program. Yeah, the next big Easter egg kind of deal. Right. Let's let's move on. So the next question, Elon has mentioned a 50% compound annual growth target for Tesla in the past. Is this still in line with Tesla's ambition for the next five to 10 years? This would be 4 million vehicles in 2025 and 20 million vehicles in 2030. Is 40% or more a realistic target and Elon said, I think 40% is the likely number. It's possible that it's 40%. I would be very shocked if it's less than 40%, even with fourth force majeure short of World War III. These are huge numbers. Huge. Like, what is okay, force majeure? We need to stop right there. What is that word? That's like a, force like, a, like a virus is what a force majeure is like. That's a thing they put in contracts. That's like, uh, if you want to get out of your deal, like something very terrible has to happen, a force majeure. Uh, 
Right. A major, a major Thanks. force keeps you from getting to your, to your goal. A uh, major force. A major force, right? Yes. Major force. And so okay. if these go numbers go are accurate, we are looking at a huge, huge, huge company. I mean, they're selling a million, like I said, a million cars now, making 20% gross margins on those cars. So they're making, what, $10,000 on a million cars, $10,000 each on 20 million cars. We're talking like a $500 billion in revenue a year, potentially. And this isn't even considering Tesla's goal of replacing all vehicles with electric vehicles because who else is stepping up to the plate right now 500 billion dollars in sales something i think it was 500 or 53 billion dollars just in five year in 10 years we're talking like it means tesla and then elon tweets that the tesla stock price is way overvalued like what which is it bro like where are we going with this thing it's crazy that the the amount of revenue at you know 20% margins on that kind of income is just staggering yeah that's why the stock price is so high but is pretty volatile because a lot of things have to occur for that for them to make it but if they can hit some of these targets that's why some of the investors are saying yeah this is a multi trillion dollar company and should be valued at that or at least partially valued at that now you know that tesla is now worth for the stock price, four times that of GM, seems a little bit overheated still. And it's good because Elon brought it down a bit uh, yesterday by tweeting he thinks it's uh, the stock price is too high. I'm sure the executives, the other executives are very happy about that as he crashed the stock price. Yeah. But like $50,000 in average sale price at 20 million vehicles, like a trillion dollars a year in sales or something ridiculous like that. I mean, it's a huge number. It's all of the numbers, Tom. It's all, it's all of the Thomas. And the next question was, when will you announce the next giga? How many gigas do you have planned for the next five years? And he said, as you said earlier, Mel, they're going to announce the next giga possibly as soon as a month. We may not as soon as next month. This is not a prediction. Just saying that that could happen. This is Elon speaking, by the way. So yeah. it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It will certainly be within three months and possibly one month. I think he may actually watch Trump's press conferences, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> and so very, this very and that this Gigafactory will be in the U.S. Didn't say Texas, but that's everybody's best guess that it would be in Texas. Um, anyway, so and then they said, I don't know how many total, but there will be several more than there are today in the next five years. So again, like falling in line with being able to make. 20 million cars how many factories do they need to do that do they need five all around the world and then he said they're big the factories are getting bigger and we're going to probably start calling them terra factories at some point right because they're going to produce all of the tesla products like number of the different cars depending on the region so texas is i think one of the reasons that they're tagging texas is for the cyber truck because they think that trucks likely are going to sell better in the middle of the country than they're going to sell on the West Coast. So they'll have further, uh, uh, less of a distance that they'll have to transport them. But at the same time, the battery products, maybe the HVAC system, I expect that the Terra means that they're going to broaden out the diversity and the product lines that can be produced at the factories. Yeah. In the past, Elon said back of the napkin sort of thing, you would need a hundred 
gigafactory size factories to basically transition the planet to um, yeah to completely renewables. Right. They he didn't make it sound like this was a few years ago that they were planning on a hundred of the, uh, the factories. But I'm going to go back to the original gigafactory that's still at thirty percent size. When are they going to finish that uh, gigafactory? They're talking about terra factories. You haven't even finished the first one. Right, but I think, it, but but my guess is that the China, the Shanghai Gigafactory will be finished before the Nevada Gigafactory, and the Nevada <laughs> Gigafactory is not a car production line really at the moment. It's like the biggest problem that they've had is making freaking batteries and making quality batteries, and not throwing a half a million batteries away every day or whatever it is, and and so they need. They really need to focus on what they're making inside that gigafactory, I believe, before they can feel comfortable finishing it for whatever reason. You know, may they may have also decided it's not in the best possible place for it. Like it may have just not been a smart location in terms of his availability to ports or its availability to rail spurs or whatever it is. And they don't, you know, they're never going to tell us that, right? Yeah, but they were supposed to produce these things with a robotic factory, right? That when they uh-huh. first announced the Gigafactory in uh, Nevada, it was going to mm-hmm. be this cybernetic, so packed with equipment that people could barely walk through and around the factory. And I remember seeing their mock-up of it. And of course, we've gone a different direction. In fact, we've changed course four, five, or maybe even six times since that announcement. So what the factory might look like as a build-out factory now compared to like four years ago is a, is a good good question. I really would love to hear sort of an update on that. Maybe Battery Investor Day, but I'm not yeah. holding my I, breath. Yeah, we're going to hear a lot on Battery Investor Day. He used to talk about you'd need a strobe light to see, to be able to see the batteries as they're coming off the line. They're whipping out so fast. Uh, they're not whipping them out at strobe light speed right you, now. You just need like a Bic lighter now, like a, like a 70s rock concert. It. You can just like, just turn your light. Yeah, I see them. Uh, there's another one. What you do uh, yeah, need a strobe one. light to see the ones that are going into the trash can. But I mean, that's totally <laughs> different situation. That's not really what he was, uh, what he, what he's hoping for. So the next question is, give us an update on the solar roof ramp. How many are you currently able to install per week? What is your installations per week target? For the end of 2021, Melvis, what is your status on solar roof? Are you still in line? Are you still waiting? Are you out of the solar roof business? I'm out. I'm out. So the place that I was going to put a solar roof on, we just slept up uh, traditional solar. And um, yeah, I don't. They're, it's very expensive and I'm, they keep making it better and better all the time. So mm-hmm. this is one of those ones where I've been happy to sit out. We do actually have a, a house, grandpa's house is uh, roof leaks like a sieve we potentially could put something on there but um, it's probably still going to be way cheaper just to um, re-roof it and put he's got panels that are only five years old and just put them back on so by the end of the year though because that's when all the good stuff happens they're going to be installing a thousand a week basically internally with tesla with the tesla team of installers but then he said well, that's not in the middle of winter or something, but that's sort of what happens at the end of the year, just for the record, is the middle of winter kind of happens at the end of Snow, the year in, yeah. in most places. So he said, but, talking seasonality, allowing for seasonality, it's hard to s- install on roofs that are covered in snow and ice. That makes sense. But like 
spring. So spring is the middle of next year, basically, is kind of what he's getting at. Uh, This is another one of those bit of uh, over promising because he's been saying we're going to yeah. ramp very soon to a thousand a week and then the next quarter very soon a thousand a week very soon a thousand mm-hmm. a week now like by the end of the year a thousand a week yeah. it's another one of these uh an elonism uh, elonism yes we'll see i mean a they said that they tr- they said that they amazing. reached a peak of a thousand installs a week at some mm-hmm. point this year or maybe yeah it had to have been this year probably mm-hmm. not too long ago but then they're also using contractors who are roofing contractors teaching them how to produce uh, or how to install the solar roofs. And that's a process that's ongoing. So there's a lot of different elements to how to get this thing going. And um, I say, take it with a grain of salt, but I'm glad it's moving forward. And it seems like it's a good product. And I haven't heard any like recent complaints about it. So Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm positive on it. So, I mean, it's still a single design at this point. They haven't gotten any of the other designs right. going. And so that's, you know, another one of those over-promise, under-deliver kind of situations for Tesla solar roof. Again, I, I guess at some point you have to look at the solar roof thing specifically and say, is this core business? Are you going to ever get to the point where, like, you're going to be able to do this at the level and pace that makes sense to distract any part of your business from doing the core stuff, which is, you know, transportation i don't know i don't think we're there yet it's still a potential amazing product but you know time will tell they have to make it work before they can make enough of them to find out whether it's actually financially viable to make them cheaper right so there's a whole lot of ifs and what's and it happening as it pertains to that as a as a standalone business um in my opinion it's potential it's a potentially like a billion dollar a year business if they're doing a thousand of them and it's about fifty thousand dollars each and uh you get up to you know close to the billion dollar mark is that worth it to them i don't know it's, i'd take a billion dollar business yeah i good, mean you know 20 percent yeah. margin i'd yeah, take that you could buy some more full self-driving cars that'd be great <laughs> 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 Uh, the next question, apparently Elon's been tweeting about HVAC stuff, and I haven't seen much of this lately. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really been paying that much attention. But can you elaborate on Tesla's plan to enter the residential or commercial HVAC market? And can you provide some basics on how your system will work? So, like, Tesla's going to make air conditioning units for people's houses? I don't know. This seems not core. But then... Elon said he's personally extremely excited to build a kick-ass HVAC system that has all sorts of hospital-grade particle filtration. Basically, that has filtration that filters out viruses and bacterias, even though he doesn't really believe that viruses and bacterias are that much of a problem at the moment. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's part of like the two sides of Elon that we deal with on some levels. Um, so I don't know. To me, they, they shouldn't be doing this, but I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, so ma- this comes from the why. Um, they built this really efficient um, system in the why. And Munro, who's the guy that takes the Teslas and tears them down, has been yeah. really impressed with uh, Model Y. One of the things that he was very impressed with was how good this thing is. And you said it at the beginning, I think, Robert, that this could result in a 10% improvement in mileage just because of the heating and air. And so I think Elon got excited about it. And he's like, well, we're so good at this now. Why don't we do it in people's homes? Right. Was it 10% because of heating or air, or was that the cooling of the battery? Or are they related? Did I miss the something The whole about thing that? is combined. So there's okay. one system in the Model Y that heats and cools the cabin 
heats and cools the battery, heats and cools the electronics, mostly cools, and it's all integrated into one unit, which number one, reduces the amount of weight, number two, makes it more responsive, and number three, makes it more energy efficient. And that's this octabottle system that Sandy Monroe has still uh, not reported on. He sort of talked about how it looked really great, but I think that they are still in the process of tearing it down or producing a report on it. And this came after uh, some of his, um, you know, criticisms for the Model 3. And I don't know how much of uh, tat for tat or whatever that's called, uh, back and forth he's had with Elon uh, in the back room as to how to make things better or how to improve things. But there's like this, this insignia on this device in the car that looks like an octopus with a snowflake on its head. And that's why everybody's calling it a octa bottle or octa valve. Sorry, octa valve. Yeah, Sandy Munro is a pretty famous guy who does car teardowns and is an independent voice. And um, he was very critical of the three. And he really feels like uh, Tesla like listened. And a lot of people have said, why don't they hire this guy? He's clearly a bit of a genius and uh, would uh, be great. But it would be a loss to us because I like this guy as independent. You tear it down. You tell us independent of Tesla what's good and what's bad. But he has been so far very impressed with the Model Y. Like some of the wiring and stuff, he's like, nobody, nobody does it this well. And uh, the sort of the casting where it's basically two pieces instead of 70 pieces, like they're really killing it. Yeah, in fact, they just put out a tweet where they showed the rear section of the undercarriage of the Model Y, and they had reduced it from in the 370 pieces in the Y down to two or three, and now they're going to replace that casting with a single piece. So I don't know if you'll be getting that one or not, Mel, but that's going to also lower the weight of the car and increase its efficiency, and these are all ways to, you know, get back that 2% that the EPA pulled away by leaving the door open. Just shut the door. It'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> and it was a, it was about here where he started to lose it or he lost it soon. I want to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're getting, we're getting there. So Kurt Ringenberg on the chat and YouTube asked the question about why Tesla doesn't hire Sandy Monroe. So you answered that question, Mel. Uh, Another gentleman turning short final said he was interested in the solar roof for a new house he was building, but he wrote there, we'll get around to it at some point. Didn't jive with construction, I guess, <laughs> construction schedules. And he said Tesla's actions were a joke when I was trying to do it. So uh, again, you ran into that early on in, as well with the solar uh, roof and you moved on from that. So again, there are issues. Um, so again, thanks for the good chat and questions. Joe yeah, Ferreira... That's the hard on, thing about being an early adopter in the Tesla-verse is that right, it yeah. comes with some pain. And Joe Pereira says, hey, guys, as an ex-Tesla employee, I still have connections. He's currently working on getting the full self-driving download and not the 4K the app is charging. I'll keep you posted. I don't know if I would be super comfortable putting like pirated full self-driving. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if Joe, if you get it first and it's working pretty well, you know, like reach out. Let me see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. N of one is comfortable for you, huh, Tom? Uh, no, not really. I mean, yeah. like, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I talk a big, I talk a big game, Robert. Uh, and then the next question was, when will Tesla start acquiring utilities like 
Hornsdale Power Reserve, instead of lending, instead of them selling them battery storage, does it make sense for Tesla to buy bigger power plants? And in typical Elon style, it was sort of like, oh, that's not something we think we've ever thought of, but that's not out of the question. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's like, well, how can it be both? Something you never thought of and instantaneously not out of the question. So the overreaching goal is to help accelerate the advent of sustainable energy. And the three elements are power generation, store the power, and stationary storage. And then you have to have electric transportation. So he said, if we don't have anything in mind that, that it is possible that they could just buy their own utilities. I mean, I guess Tesla energy could be somebody that sends me a monthly bill for clean power. I'd be all right with that. Bring it on. And then yeah, they've got a lot to do. They don't need to be doing that. And then yes, go, go do it. And then Elon, for whatever reason, at some point started to talk about the pandemic and the coronavirus and, and, and he, and he, and he made some comments and he wrote, and I quote, if somebody wants to stay in their house, that's great. They should be allowed to stay in their house and they should not be compelled to leave. But to say they cannot leave their house and they will be arrested if they do so, this is fascist. Oh. Not democratic. This is not freedom. Give people back their goddamn freedom. Now, initially I was like, ooh, fascism, probably not the best way to sort of go through this. But apparently Elon looks in dictionaries and there is some definitions that maybe potentially you could potentially say fit. It's a political philosophy, movement, or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for autocratic government, severe economic and social regimentation, and the forcible suppression of opposition. Now, I, I don't know, like, we're making people stay inside to save their lives. You start using fascism, uh, it just diminishes the the horrors that fascism has sort of played on this earth. And the nations of the world are doing what they can to try to keep us all safe. And so people like Robert and Mel aren't in shifts having to make the life and death decisions because of equipment shortages that they don't want to make and that they will then have to live with. So... I think it just, it's the wrong way to start a conversation. And then I'm going to throw out this at the end of it. Let's not mention that you made a financial deal with an authoritarian regime in China in order to help your company grow and be viable. There are other non-authoritarian, non-communist countries in Asia that know how to build cars and treat people properly. So you could have put your money where your mouth is. Uh, just don't use Preach. fascism. Yeah. Preach, brother. Yeah, you sold your soul to China, which lots of companies do, and ultimately might end up being good for the company and good for the planet. But uh, he is cycling right now. He is manic. We've seen this multiple times. He Somebody take his Twitter away. They need to take some other guy's Twitter away. And he's just got this rolling consciousness. He's super manic. And he's getting really agitated because he can't go and build cars and do stuff. And uh, he's like, what do you want, Elon? You just want us to go back and just let it blow up like New York in every city in the United States? You will have two million dead people. So the governments are making a very difficult choice here. And we could argue about um, the right thing. But if you follow the science and you usually follow the science, letting people do whatever the hell they like is going to result in the col complete collapse of the healthcare system in the entire United States. New York, every single city in the uh, United States. You can't let everybody go and run around. 
And, and how is he going to react? So he says that you can't force people to leave their, their houses and, and go back, right? What is he going to do? Let's say the government says you can go and open your factory in Fremont, but half of his employees don't want to go to work. Is he going to fire them? Or is he going to like stay true to his word? Is he going to just find new people to take their jobs on a temporary basis? And then when those people decide they want their jobs back, they're going to be waiting for them? I doubt it but I don't know. He didn't say anything about that. Uh, again, I think he's well within his rights to say and talk and, and tell people that he's upset with the way that this thing is going using fascism, uh, you know, a, a word that is responsible for the death of 10 million people, you know, over it's a bad analogy. It's you a know, bad it's, analogy. it's just a bad analogy. And, and it's just, it's silly and, and it doesn't it doesn't help people want to have a conversation with you about it, right? He's smarter than that. He's better than that. If you want to talk to somebody about your opinions on the science behind letting people go back to work and leave their house, do that. Don't call us fascists because we're trying to keep people in the, it safe. It's just it's this, it's not cool. Yeah, if you this look like at the call diff- somebody a pedo guy, this is like uh, 420. This is somebody who cycles, who needs to, you know, have a few drinks at night and start gibbering on just like put it down. Now, the conspiracy theory here is that the stream went out when he was really ramping up. And I think one of the other executives in the room smashed the modem, <laughs> pulled the plug, <laughs> grabbed right. the Ethernet cable, like let him think he told the world all of these what else he wanted to say. And then they plugged it in again. Because he was really ramping up. It was, that was the beginning of what was going to be a tremendously dangerous rant. In fact, some people have already said that he may already be in legal trouble for what he's been saying. I don't know why. I didn't see anything there. But um, Well, he did that tweet about the stock price, right? But, but the weird oh, thing— Oh, that's what it was, yes. Yeah, yeah. He did Another that tweet manic about thing to do. saying that the stock was overpriced. However, like, they don't think he can actually get in trouble for that because he didn't say like it was underpriced or, or whatever, right? And he's this is the fourth time he's made that comment about the stock being overpriced in the history of the company. So, I mean, the next... So what I would recommend to all of you investors out there if you're into it is the next time he does this, uh, you should buy some Tesla the next day because it goes <laughs> down. <laughs> so it, that was... Uh, he was also, again, in what appears... I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not his psychiatrist, in a manic-like mood, saying how he's going to sell all his houses, sell all these earthy's possessions. He mm-hmm. just bought five houses last year and like building a compound, and now he's going completely the other way. I'm getting rid of everything. Um, I need to be nimble, nimble on this planet and on Mars. I'm like, dude, take some medicine and take a break. I'll put down the Superman movies, Lex Luthor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Autonomous driving, Robert. Um, all right. I'm messing around with, uh, my media picks. <laughs> oh, so you want to just go to media picks and we, no, we no, no, no. I think, little... I think the RoboCab is keeping us on this exact same sort of ranting, tripping, you know, what's coming in the future that may very well never come or come far, far further in the future than what mm-hmm. Elon is saying. But he's saying that, you know, RoboCab's coming by the end of the year, uh, although I can't imagine how that's going to happen. The end of the year? Huh. Again, yes. with the end of the year. Yeah, end of the year. End of the year's, uh, but except that it was raining or there was snow or, but they said in select areas. So, you know, this is what uh, Cruz did in San Francisco. 
This is what Google did in Chandler, Arizona. They geofenced their ability to do essentially a robo-taxi, and they still had problems. Not to say that Tesla doesn't have advantages over them, like, you know, uh, um, I don't know how big a ton, a metric ton more data or a, a gigaton more data and experience by their vehicles. But I mean, there is still, I mean, how many years and how many millions of miles, billions of miles has Tesla mastered or semi-mastered the highway? I was driving like a week ago and there was some big piece of crap. I don't know what it was because I looked up while I'm in autopilot, I had glanced down, I think, to look at the map or how many turns I had to go until my destination. And I looked up and there was this black thing in the road. It looked like probably some like combination plastic or cardboard undercarriage part to a car. And I swerved to get away from it. And luckily there was nobody next to me. But autopilot was like, no, didn't see anything. So there's still a long way to go. And to suggest that we've got uh, robocabs around the corner, like coming next in, in the next eight months is pretty unbelievable. Um, what do you think, Mel? You've got the newest and you said you've been using it. I wanted to know something specific. Like, was it not stopping before the limit line? Did it, did the newest version, so I can be a little more educated, did it uh, not pay attention to some aspect of the road off the highway that made you feel uncomfortable? Or was it just all of the stopping, waiting for confirmation? It's jerky. It's um, it, it slows down and then you say it's fine and it starts to go again. And then it sort of hits the, I shouldn't say hit the brake, but it, it starts to brake pretty heavily. And I'm like, no, it's fine. And I hit it again. And then it does it a third time. It does it like at 600 feet, 400 feet and 100 feet. And uh, it keeps asking and slowing down. And it's just, it's beta software. It's like, oh, I see where you're going. And I see that you need the sack of meat to help you. But it's super annoying that the car is jerking back and forth. And I'm worried about the people behind me going to crash into me. And they're like, are you drunk? What the hell are you doing? Right. So it feels very much like autopilot in the very early days. It's like okay. the drunken 15-year-old. Right. And if the light is green and you don't react whatsoever, will it stop at that intersection? If the light is green, it'll stop. Okay. If it's you just, don't react. If you don't. If you react. don't react. If it's red, you obviously don't have to react. It'll just. And you have to react it. it's three green. times, technically, from what you're telling me, to for it to go through a green light. Well, well, this is the the confusing stuff. The heuristics here, I don't think, have been worked out. And again, there's some YouTubers that'll look this as well. So at 600 feet, it says I'm going to stop in 600 feet, but I can tell it doesn't need to stop. So I say, don't worry about it, and then you put your foot on the pedal or you flip the autopilot switch. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, it forgets that. I'm going to ask you again, 200 feet later, I'm going to stop. And it starts to slow down. So you have to disengage. And then at 100 feet, that is probably something that they can fix very quickly. But out of the gate, um, if, you're, if you get this update, make sure that you are fully engaged and ready to take over because it is a drunken teenager right now. Yeah. So just got to be very careful with it. And uh, I'm going to look forward to driving it around, especially nowadays. There's so little traffic. L.A. is so different than uh, than it used to be. I'm kind of delighted by it. But at the same time, it's a sad situation. Your last question on this document, though, Robert, about the full self-driving or the robocabs, I really uh, want you to ask. Will you guys let your cars on the robo taxi network? Melvis? Yeah. 
Well, we've talked about this before. If those things that Elon said is true, that my $50,000 car will actually earn me $300,000 over the life of that car, why wouldn't I? I should get all my friends and family and get all our coins together and buy as many of those as we can. Yeah. But I just think if that's true, they're not going to sell you those cars because that's insanity. Um, they w- are going to keep them for themselves. But here's an interesting take. I agree with that last part of it, but here's an interesting take on it. I don't know what your guys' current thoughts are on, but I'm not getting in an Uber and a Lyft in a pandemic type of a situation. But does a robo-taxi with nobody in it change that? Or is it the last person that got in it still the problem? Uh, well, we talked about it. This is where you have to put in that extra device that sprays the hydrogen peroxide <laughs> or pulses the light between each thing. Yeah. But it's got to be less infectious than if there was somebody driving yeah. the car that was excreting the virus. Yeah. In this case, I would put my three on the robo-taxi network and I would buy a Y with the profits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, yeah. would, I would not put the Y on the robo-taxi network. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's got a product that's going to enable people to, you know, you as you open the door, there's a wipe container right there that's yeah. ready to go. And you just, as you get in, you're wiping everything down. And, you you know, it's the fomites that are left behind from the prior passenger passengers yeah. that are the risk. But, yeah. I want that surgical UV light in the, in the ceiling, man. Just yeah. And that's just another possibility. Somebody could put something like that in the car. Blast the hell but out of that it, thing. It takes a while because UV surgical... Uh, it takes about four hours in an ICU. They pulse that thing, and it's not. Yeah. It takes a while. It's not like four, one pulse. I don't have four hours, so they gotta have to fix that. They gotta put more. Yes. In. Yeah, you're yeah, only gonna make three thousand a year on your car if you have to wait four hours between uh, events. Yeah. Supercharger update, Mister Robert. What do you got? Yeah, for so us? we've got uh, our last show was on the 18th of mm. April, so about two weeks ago. And supercharger activity has been kind of ho-hum. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's Everybody not... Everybody stayed home. <laughs> we, it's not so un, unexpected since uh, we've had a pandemic global and shutdown. So we have four new open superchargers, and they're pretty scattered. We have one in Florida. We have one in Poland. We have one in Norway. And we have one in Austria. So those were probably like on the verge of being completed. And then by the grace of whatever, Allah, they became completed in just the last two weeks and shut and turned on. Probably they were already done and we were just waiting for the power company to flip the switch so they could go live. As far as construction goes, we only have four new superchargers that have gone into construction and we have seven new permitted superchargers uh, I know that the permitting has shut down. There's a guy, uh, sort of one of the upper level guys in superchargers. I'm not going to say his name, but I got to meet him uh, at a supercharger. And I got to see him on the Tesla, the Los Angeles Tesla Club gathering, which I talked about on our last show. It was great. It was our first virtual get together for the Los Angeles Tesla Club. And I know the Orange County Tesla Club had one as well which makes it easier for you. You don't have to drive your Tesla to get there. You can just flip on your computer, but you got to make sure you have your Tesla gear on. Anyway, I was talking to him and he said that right now, uh, getting permits is just shut down. None of the building departments are actively working Mm. and allowing that to move forward. 
and I actually pressed him for details on the Santa Monica supercharger. If you recall, there is a Santa Monica urban supercharger with 10 stalls. That's at the mall. That's like uh, almost at the Pacific Ocean in Santa Monica. It's a pretty upscale mall at the end of the Third Street Promenade. And that thing still runs quite full, even though we are in the middle of a pandemic. But there's supposed to be a giant, like 20 stall supercharger with a burger stand and servers on roller skates. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah. that's yeah, that was like three or it's four be years ready by ago. The end of the, it's going to be ready by the end of the year, Robert. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be the fine. end of the year they're 2016. Gonna, they're going to get to it. They're yeah, it's still it. an open lot, although I did see today when I drove by it, there was a big pile of cardboard I think somebody's living under, but it's, it's nothing more than a, a former used car lot. And uh, so I pushed them to ask them about that. And guess what I heard? I heard that a lot is going to happen on that site this year. By the end of this year. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, it'll be a great day. We'll have it. We'll have to have a talking Tesla uh, hamburger celebration. If that place actually gets built and is opened. Nice. When I the like world it. comes back. All right. Melvis media pick time. All right. Let me give you my media picks. Uh, TikTok. Okay, a friend of mine got me into TikTok. I've been hearing about TikTok. I'm like, okay, short form video. It's been done before. It's been done on Twitter. Whatever. It's not that interesting. TikTok is addictive. Do not, do not download that app or you will be like me in these pandemic times finding yourself spending hours flipping from one minute video to one minute video. There are some of the most genius, creative people out there. There's also some idiots, but mostly I'm so impressed with it. Don't do it though. Don't get TikTok. It'll waste your life. And then, of course, the Michael Jordan Bulls Last Dance ESPN. Uh, it's just so good. I was such a Jordan fan. I just thought he was the greatest. He is the greatest. He's better than uh, LeBron. I'm sorry. It's true. And Westworld. I think they're the same ones I did last time, but I'm still trying to get through Westworld. Um, <laughs> slow. It's very slow. Trying to get through it. Westworld's kind of disturbing. It's very, uh, it's very us against them. Isn't that the way everything it's very is dystopian. these days? I like dystopian things. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's disturbing in that it, it actually, the machines, I'm not giving anything away, but the machines are getting us, or at least in this show, the machines are having us really look at ourselves and what, what kind of a world we live in, created. Um, and and I, think it's, I think it's really good for that. I think it's really good. Nice. I've enjoyed uh, TikTok as well. But I only focus really on the TikTok doc. Have you watched him, Mel? No, I haven't seen the TikTok doc. Yeah, this guy's name is Jason Campbell, and he's an anesthesia resident at Oregon Health Sciences. And he is, like, infectious. He started this only a few weeks ago, and he's become quite a internet phenomenon. And uh, he dances and he'll have like his attendings dance with him. And there's one where he's in the operating room with this other woman. I don't know what her job is, but they've got the surgical lights like bearing down on them. The lighting is fantastic. And they're doing like these short little dance moves. And, uh, and evidently this has turned into quite a phenomenon. And it's very uplifting. It's very cool. He's, uh, he, he, got my, he got me smiling. Nice. Um, Excellent. The last TikTok. dance, I agree, was awesome. And Ooh. I'm looking forward to it, although Sunday I'll be working. Um, and then uh, 
I also was watching uh, Schitt's Creek. Uh, I guess it, <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> it uh, it concluded, uh, and I've been really enjoying keeping up on it. it. There's so much content on television. I sort of try and give myself an hour or two, maybe three, on a on a on a loose evening where I can catch up on things. Uh, another show that I was really liking is called uh, Black AF. I'm not going to say the words because I don't want to get bleeped. But as that is that what you're <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry, Mel. Are you going to have to cut that? Sorry, yeah. EJ. You sorry. can't. It's you're YouTube live. live. We can't fix that. Oh. There's no way to fix it. There's only 26 people watching, so hopefully none of them are, are small children. Yeah. And so uh, that's been a really cool show. It's been it's it's very good. It's uh, annoying. It's frustrating, but it it uh, it's got an interesting formula and a lot of good sort of perspective, and so I've really been enjoying that as well. And Tom, yeah, as as a lifelong Laker fan, uh, I have been enjoying the Last Dance, but I hated the Bulls. That was not cool. Uh, I feel like I lost some championships in there, but it, it's good to watch. A lot of it is the last season, but they talk about his ascension. They go through all that. One of the things that I've actually been doing is I downloaded, I got a free trial for this Quibi thing, which is a bunch of sitcoms that are eight Love minutes that. long. It's an app you can get on your phone. And there's two that I really have loved. One of them was called The Shape of Pasta, and it's this f pasta maker from a restaurant in your neighborhood, Robert, near Venice, a restaurant called Felix. Oh, yeah, uh, Felix is and great. He, and he goes to Italy for a month and with all these grandmas and finds all these lost pasta shapes or pasta shapes that are going. And he does eight minute episodes on them. And it is just amazingly well done. It is such. And then he brings those pasta shapes back to his restaurant. And so you have all of these very rare and like dying pasta shapes from these little tiny villages and mountains in Italy. And that's the only place they're made by like three grandmothers. It's quite quite incredible so that one was really good and then lena waith produced a 10 series a 10 show documentary on uh the shoe culture which is like air jordan so it goes really nicely with the the last dance it's it's sort of about the beginning and end and where we are now with like the shoe culture and the releases and then this week alone netflix has released Back to the Future Part 1 and Part 2, two excellent flicks. So if you're feeling a little bit nostalgic while you're home in quarantine, you can do that. And if you want to do some cooking, Gordon Ramsay's Ultimate Cookery Course on Amazon Prime is really... I hate Gordon Ramsay, I'm not going to lie. This thing is amazing. It's like easy cooking at home, quick, quick, easy things that are look amazingly flavorful to put on the plate. So good at you, Gordon, for making that and good for you, Amazon, uh, for putting it out. Very nicely done. Anything else? I think else? Quibi, Quibi is great. Uh, it's vertical and it's horizontal and it flips between the two, but the content yeah. is short, but I've found it really, really interesting. Very high production I'm, values. Like there's a show really called hard. Dummy, which is like this, uh, the woman, I, I don't know, now her, her name is eluding me or whatever, but anyway... That's, I feel terrible because I really love this 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 show, and she basically has a relationship with her boyfriend sex doll who talks, and it all oh, of this crazy stuff that. that goes on. It's called the dummy, and it's really quite uh, quite clever. Um, th that's a great show. I have to throw in another one. I'm listening to an audiobook. Um, it's called The Great Influenza. It's about uh, the 1918 influenza by mm -hmm. John Barry, um, and read by Scott. 
what is his name? He's so good. Scott Baird or something is his name. Anyway, the great uh, influenza audiobook, fantastic. And it's more than just about the influenza. It's about how medicine was sort of developing up to that point and the germ theory of disease. And it's really good. Super good. It's Anna Kendrick in, in The Dummy, by the way. And I bet you that pan, pandemic uh, book is amazing. So I look forward it's, to taking a listen to that. And again, uh, we don't have any anybody to thank. We have referral codes. Again, it's uh, Laney9300. So feel free, buy 15, 16 model wise. Use Laney9300. It'll be, I'll be very grateful. And uh, thank you to the Patreon supporters who are out there supporting us every month. We do have a Patreon channel. We've actually done a pretty good job of being on every couple of weeks, too, which is pretty yeah. pretty nice. And and maybe next two weeks, the stream will only be for Patreon folks. I don't know how we can do that, but maybe we can. We could do that. I think we'll do a little bit more streaming. It's We didn't tell anybody. We just sort of did this as a test. Um, but I think it's pretty interesting to be able to interact in real time with some of the some of the peeps watching. So I think we'll do some more of this if Tom cannot say the word AF because there's a four-year-old in the room. Yeah, there's I'm sorry, turning short room. final. I apologize for that. Anybody on the chat want to throw a while before we, uh, before we go away? Do you any of you want to give us a media pick to share with the peeps and the show? Uh, all 25 of you, feel well, free to I was going to say, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote. We do our next show on May 17th, a Sunday. Uh-huh. Same time, 4 p.m. That's going to be... Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a Cars and Coffee or not, but that day, the Tesla Owners Club Los Angeles has a Cars and Coffee planned at 8.45 or 9 a.m. Uh, in Malibu. If uh, uh, Yeah, that won't be happening. And if it does, I won't be there. But it's uh, May 17th. So again, they're lifting restrictions May 15th. Uh-oh. Yeah. So yeah, but are, are you ready to go out, man? Or like, Do you feel like it's... Like lifting restriction means like we're good because that's not my impression. So that doesn't Phase, mean that I'm going to touch anybody or anybody's stuff. It just means that I'm going to go drive out to a parking lot. And while I'm at that parking lot, I'm going to talk to people. If I get within six feet of them, I'll put on a mask. In fact, I think we need to have some talking Tesla masks. What's up with this? We what? haven't gotten those what yet. What haven't we done? Yeah, the talking Tesla Elon whenever mask. Oh no, it's Elon today. That's it. Even and a mask won't even a mask won't shut Elon up. That's what it should say. <laughs> ah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so why not? So on that Sunday, I'm hoping that number one, I go uh, to see my friends at the LA Tesla Club Cars and Coffee in the morning and see you guys at four o'clock uh, for one of these whatever roundabouts. All right. I Round like it. And maybe there'll be right. some SpaceX news at that point too. So we'll, we'll uh, Yeah, like we'll be close to putting a man it, it's a man at this point on the space station. We're within 30 days of that. That's going to be big. Why are you laughing? Because they're making fun of my long hair because I have like quarantine hair. Somebody, Michael Thomas, <laughs> offered to send me his Floby because he thinks I could use a trim. And honestly, this is me actually after I cut my hair, to be honest with you. So Showing to, us how good I was, you are at that. I was, af I was afraid to like go too far, but I think the next yeah. time I'm going to give it a shot. You're looking very dapper, of course. And Mel, if I had Mel's hair, it'd be easy to cut because, well. Oh, it's so easy. It's good to be <laughs> bald. Just put it on number one. Done. <laughs> All right, kids, I gotta go do some exercise and have some dinner.
Good. All nice. right, everybody. Thank you uh, for you. all of you for watching, and thanks for all of you who will be listening to this. Stay safe, stay sane, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Wash your hands. Ciao.